Welcome to this week's episode of the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter how little or by how much. I'm your host, the Dean, Jordan Walk. Welcome, welcoming my guest, Nick Lee, owner of Team C. Deemer. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Jordan. Uh, good to be on here with you. It feels like just like yesterday when I was on as, a, as the uh, honorary guest a year ago to do this segment that we'll be getting into later, so doing well and it's good to catch up with you yeah nick uh speaking of our honorary guest um back by popular demand um this was such a big hit last year whenever you came on onto the show i've invited another guest friend uh ross labuskis ross welcome on to the show howdy happy to be here thanks for having me on ross um Share with share with the listeners a little bit of your a little bit of your baseball fandom your your fantasy baseball resume so we can see you know your credibility as a manager. Mm, gladly. So in general, um, my baseball fandom lies solely with the Arizona Diamondbacks. A um, little backstory on that: I uh, had a PlayStation Two that my brother and I would play. Uh, MLB Slugfest 2002 or 2003 and we played all the time and I was young and I just wanted to play with the team with the best stats and the Diamondbacks were pretty hot then coming off of their 2001 World Series championship and so I just consistently played with them and as I learned more about sports I was like you know what I keep playing with them this is my favorite team so Luis Gonzalez, uh, Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling that era is is peak Arizona Diamondbacks and uh, I've been with them for all the highs and the lows, a lot of lows, but riding through some highs right now. Definitely. Uh, in terms of fantasy, highs. Yeah, in terms of fantasy baseball, um, uh, there's been a league that I've been consistently in for the last two or three years um, and always have a uh, winning, winning record uh, right now, ESPN Fantasy saying that uh two playoff appearances one top three finish uh, with the all-time record of 25 16 and 0 uh this current year i am sitting at six and five uh it's pretty well balanced year so uh everybody's got a fair shot of making the playoffs right now so it's anybody's game yeah sounds like uh sounds like pretty competitive and uh nick lee is in that league i believe right yes yes he is Yep, in that league with Ross as well, and uh, he's always a competitive matchup for sure, and I can definitely see him making a run in the playoffs. That's a league where it's uh, 10 teams and four teams make the playoffs, but Ross is definitely a, a playoff threat moving forward. And because Nick's too humble to say, he's currently 9-2 and two in that league um, and has a two-game lead on everybody. So Humble Nick Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like I said, um, people really enjoyed this segment last year, and it um, it ended up transitioning Nick Lee into joining the league um, when we were in need of an, another manager. Um, so back by popular opinion, um, outsider's opinion, we have randomly given Ross um, everybody's roster as of Monday the 19th. Um, so the, the trades that uh, that happened this uh, over the weekend are reflective of Ross's uh, rosters that we gave him in a random order, and we basically said, "Ross, um, guess our standings from one to 12. Um, so we're going to go through in a totally random order. Uh, Ross is going to give us 
what place he thinks everybody is currently in in our standings right now, omitting divisions. Um, he's going to, you know, ask about a couple players and we'll highlight them and just um, get a chance to go through everybody's team. And then at the end, if he is um, pretty far off on anybody's team, we're going to kind of circle back around, take a deeper look at their team and see why that had been, why that is. So up first, we have, uh, we're starting off with a familiar face. We have Nick Lee's team, Team C. Deemer. Um, What did you think of uh, Nick Lee's team, Ross? So I currently have Nick Lee sitting at fifth in my standings. Uh, I think he has a really well-balanced team. Uh, you got a, you know, top five catcher with Will Smith. You got Ketel Marte, uh, Corbin Carroll, both like top five in their positions, also flexible with the different positions if needed, uh, if injuries come up. Uh, guys like Justin Turner, Carlos Correa, they, Henry Renfro, you know, maybe having some worse years compared to their past but with guys like that they can always start to get the bats hot and uh even people like anthony rizzo and adam frazier so there's a really good bench there and uh i believe cody bellinger's uh back from his little stint on the il so uh, i think there's a lot of good depth there for a long run uh in terms of the pitching staff uh it's also pretty well balanced too i'd say uh you got mitch keller who's top 10 pitcher right now mark stroman is doing really well. I uh, got some solid relief pitchers there. And yeah, so overall, just really well-balanced team. Yeah, I think um, getting Cody Bellinger back for Nick Lee is really going to be a, a boost for him. Uh, I didn't say Nick. Did you end up starting him, him this week? I didn't get a chance to look before we um, started. Yes, I do have Keller going. I'm a little nervous just because he's struggled a little bit more in June compared to his um, stellar May, but Yep, he's in my starting five this week. I meant um, Cody Bellinger. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I have Bellinger on the bench this week because I saw he's playing five games because they're going on that uh, trip to London. That's right. Yeah. Good call on that then, maybe. Um, yeah, Nick, any thoughts on what, uh, what Ross thought of your team? First of all, thanks, Ross, for the kind words. I appreciate it. Um, I would definitely um, take, like, for sure, like five out of 12 is, uh, you know, it's, I thank you for thinking highly of my team, but uh, Cattell Marte and Corbin Carroll, I had a feeling you would like. Um, Corbin Carroll was, forget what round I drafted him in, but I, I was confident in trying to go for a young guy in a keeper league like this just because I, I feel like I went with too many vets before him, and he's paid off really well um, with an OPS like in the 900s for a little bit now. And I did acquire Cattell Marte in a trade with Jerowin. Um, I know the rest of the league, Thought I, I lost that trade, but um, I'm happy with Cattell's performance so far at second because I really did need a hole with uh, like a to fill in the hole there with Andres Jimenez lacking for me there at second base in April and then into May. Um, but yeah, I uh, I appreciate the honesty, Ross. So thank you. Yeah, of course. Nothing wrong with having a potential MVP candidate in their rookie year on your roster, especially in a keeper league especially when we also um, have money on him to win an MVP. Yep, that is true. Yeah, his odds have uh, have skyrocketed um, since you were talking to us about him, Ross. I'm not sure what they are now, but I think you said they were plus 5,000 just like two weeks ago, and he's just really been putting together a good campaign. Yep, yes, he has. 
Yeah, very excited to see him continue that. Moving on, we have uh, Nate's team next. Where did you put Nate? So right above Nick Lee, actually, at number four. Uh, for a lot of the same reasons, I think he has a really balanced team. Uh, I mean, Freddie Freeman is just having an amazing year. Um, Luis Arez, amazing batting average. He somehow keeps putting that together. Um, and then just a lot of really good bats. Um, I might be mispronouncing the last name, Jonah Heim, um, the catcher for the Rangers. He's having a stellar year. Uh, Francisco Lindor, Schwarber, Harper, all like Austin Riley, who's been having a pretty low year compared to last year. You know, these types of guys, they can just explode and have a really great month. Um, so with, with those types of guys on your roster and on your bench, uh, any week, they could have a great week. Um, in terms of the pitching staff, um, Sandy Alcantara, once again, kind of having a, a lower year, but still solid pitcher that can put up points when you when you need. Um, Aaron Nola, Justin Verlander, Spencer Strider, really the, the key um, pitcher uh, on that roster there. Uh, being able to use him as a starting pitcher or a relief pitcher is also very helpful, um, but he's just been having a great year as well. So uh, all in all, really well-balanced team again. Yeah, uh, the one player that I wanted to to point out that you talked about was Arias. I'm not entirely sure how you, how you pronounce his last name, honestly, but um, the fact that he's hitting 400 in, in late June, I mean, there's not much else you can say besides just the fact that he's been fantastic. I mean, I saw, like, I think it was later last week or in the weekend or something, something his, his average dipped to, like, I don't know, like 380 or something, and People were like, oh, man, the quest for 400 is over. And then what does he do? He comes back with a five-hit performance the next day. I mean, um, he's he's the definition of a uh, of a contact hitter. I was looking at, at Savant, and he's, he's third percentile in hard hit percentage, second in barrel percentage, ninth in max exit velocity. But he just flat out gets on base, 100th percentile in K percentage and in whiff rate. So basically, if he's swinging, he's putting it in play and getting a hit and Really, if you look at his spray chart, he's hitting it anywhere, too. He's just absolute uh, fantastic player. And another guy that I could see being in the uh, in the MVP conversation if the Martins are able to, to stay in it um, later into the season. Yeah, they have a, they have a tough road ahead with uh, the Braves kind of really controlling the East. But, uh, I mean, hey, they're sitting at 11 games above 500 right now. Um, and whenever you're hitting 400 – it's hard not to be in the MVP cat conversation. Yeah. And like you said, that's with, uh, with Sandy not being, um, not being as, as dominant as he was last year too. If, if he can get going um, like he did last year, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be tough to face the Martins, I think. I agree. I guess I'll add on one more point to Nate's team um, in our format, Spencer Strider leading the national league in strikeouts. That's huge for him. Um, I know Strider's been struggling as of late um, in June compared to April and May with an area before now, but his fifth's still in the three. So I think, uh, you know, with leading the league in strikeouts and strikeouts per nine, um, Strider's going to come back down. And I'm sure his ERA will be back in the low threes come August. So um, I think Nate has a definitely good foundation with um, Strider and Alcantara. Yeah, definitely. Definitely agree. But 
now we're moving on. Um, we got Eddie's team. What did you think of what did you think of Eddie? Where did you put him at? So just a little bit below uh, where I had uh, Nate and Nick, I uh, have him at seven. So still kind of hanging in the middle. Um, some big, um, you know, names that kind of jumped off for me uh, was Ozzy Albies. Uh, he's having a, a great year as well. Uh, Fernando Tatis coming off from his suspension. He's hasn't seemed to lost a step um, in terms of the pitching. Uh, Garrett Cole, always, you know, worthy of any team's respect when they're going up against him. Um, Christian Javier uh, from Houston having a pretty good year as well as most Houston pitchers find a way to do. Um, and yeah, uh, there's, uh, you know, bench with uh, Chris Sale on it. He's been a mixed bag <laughs> in a lot of ways over the last two years. Um, but hey, it's, you never know. It's baseball. Sometimes people can turn it around and all it takes is one good week with one good pitcher and, and you just want a matchup or you won the championship. So, uh, so the team is, is definitely, um, I think, a, a few levels below. Uh, it's in a lower tier than I think where I had Nate and Nick, um, but still um, other names like Corey Seager, uh, Dansby Swanson, uh, solid guys, uh, Matt Olson, they, they can all hit. Um, just this year, it hasn't been as uh, consistent as it has in the past. Also uh, worth noting, thanks to thanks to my uh, Diamondbacks obsession, Josh Rojas uh, just got sent down to Triple A. Um, so we'll have to uh, see how the bench can fill in for that uh, second base, third base spot, wherever you typically put them at. Yeah, and uh, you know, going back to Fernando Tatis Jr., I think that was a guy, um, at least for me, was kind of unsure of what he was going to be this year coming off of his steroid suspension coming off of um was it a shoulder injury i can't remember with i think he like crashed his motorcycle or something um yeah but, i'm pretty sure it was a shoulder injury yeah but he's he's been absolutely fantastic i mean he's averaging like almost 3.75 um points per game and um recently and on June, he's just absolutely been on fire. He's um he's batting 400 in June, actually, I just saw. So um it's good to see that he's kind of returned to form that that he was in uh, before all of the all of the trouble that he got into last year. I think it's also nice that he has shortstop and right field eligibility too. So you can shuffle him all around uh, the lineup for Eddie's team. So um yeah, Tatis is really showing that uh. Hopefully the, that pass is behind him and uh, he re, he's returned to 2020 and 2021 Tatis. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. All right. Um, continuing to move on, uh, league villain Nick Endres. What did you think of the uh, the league villains team? Yeah, so, I mean, that's a that's a heck of a nickname. That's you got to you must have to really earn that. But in terms of the team, when I first was scanning through these, uh, I thought, oh, wow, this is a really, really solid team. Um, as I kind of dug in a little bit and did just a little bit of research on how some of these guys' seasons were going, uh, I started to question it a little bit. Um, you'd think with, uh, you know, names like Spencer Steer and Marcus Semien, Christian Yelich, Mike Trout, um, 
and uh, you know Shane McClanahan, Emmanuel Clays. Like a lot of these guys are really good ball players, and some of them are having good years, um, but not always uh, to their previous uh, years of success. So I currently have him at number nine on my ranking, so the lowest so far. However, I could very easily see myself being wrong on that one because um, as a whole, it just on paper, it looks a lot better than I think the stats may put it at. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that, I think that league villain Nick has a really, a lot of, a lot of star power here. I mean, if you look at, look at Shane McClanahan as an example, he had an absolutely fantastic breakout season last year was in Cy Young candidacy for like uh, like 90% of the season and fell off a little bit towards the end and he's only gotten better he's basically been untouchable this year um i think that i think he could be due for a little bit of regression though but it's hard to not regress a little bit when you've been as dominant as McClanahan has been uh if you if you look more into his numbers he's given up more hard contact than he did last year um which I think ultimately could hurt, could start to hurt him eventually. He's throwing his curveball a little bit less and throwing his fastball more, which you know maybe could be why he's giving up that hard contact more. But they must be hitting it right at guys because he's still been absolutely fantastic. Um, but yeah, he's been lights out, basically number one pitcher. So it's hard to count him out though. And uh, for context, um, Nick is the league villain because he's currently the back-to-back reigning champ. Ooh. Yep, I, like I said, that's a name you have to you have to earn a name like that. That's a that's a name for respect. I bet we have uh, two two Knicks in the league now, so we have to differentiate them somehow. But, uh, Nick Lee, did you have any any uh, thoughts on League Villain Knicks team? Um, I mean, just looking at his current roster in today's line, like this week's lineup. Francisco Alvarez at catcher, Spencer Steer at first base, Josh Young at third. Like this is a really young team. Like, I mean, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprising to me if he goes on a run here and with those three playing well as rookies, just taking off. I mean, Morel's in the club's lineup pretty much every day now, and he's plugged in at second base for Nick. So, um, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Nick's team really take off as well. Yeah, you can never you can never count out uh, league villain Nick. Uh, moving on, we have we have Jerwin's team, um, hoping to see some positivity um, in this one, Ross. Yeah, I wish I had some more positivity to to give. Um, I currently have Jerwin sitting at eleventh on my rankings. Um, primary reason for that is uh, Pete Alonso is the only one is the only player that's uh, ranked. Um, in the top five of their position. Uh, Manny Machado has not had as good of a year. Uh, Gunnar Henderson's young, so he's still kind of figuring things out. George Springer is always, um, you know, reliable for the most part. Um, you know, since it is a keeper league, like having Riley Green, um, even though he's on the injured reserve right now, you know, that future star there probably. Um, Pitching side, Dylan Cease, uh, I also have him on my fantasy team. Uh, and so there's been a lot of inconsistency there. Uh, and, and it's it's just, it's hard to win games when your pitchers are putting up minus points. Um, 
And so he's had a few of those weeks. Seems to be leveling out a little bit. Um, you know, Tyler Glass now, solid pitcher, uh, but once again can fluctuate a bit. And Max Scherzer uh, had a heck of a good game just last week. Um, but beyond that, uh, nobody really jumps out at me. Um, certainly doesn't help with DeGrom getting hurt, but in general, uh, this this definitely seems like a team that is not looking to win now, but making uh, moves towards the future. Keith, that, uh, that was not very positive at all. Um, yeah. I, I, didn't come, that... I didn't come here for positivity. Um, yeah, Dylan Cease has really been a disappointment uh, for Jerowin so far this year. He's he's kind of been better as of late, um, but if you look at Jerowin's pitching staff and just see, you know, the a bunch of minor leaguers in the uh, on the bench, he doesn't have a lot of depth. Degrom getting hurt right as Glass now was coming back didn't hurt him at all. But I think that Dylan Cease has been that main piece um, that has hurt him. I mean, it's. We talked about the continuation of the breakout for McClanahan when we were talking about league villain Nick, um, and it has just not been that at all for Dylan Cease. He's getting hit a lot harder. Ross, you mentioned the inconsistency with him, and just, um, you know, he was a top keeper for, for Jerwin last year and just has not, not performed to those expectations so far. I guess one thing I'll mention, uh, I'll mention one player who's probably been a disappointment for him other than Dylan Cease's, Ross, you kind of touched on this, but Manny Machado, um, I mean, second in the National League and MVP voting last year. And, you know, I'm just looking at his baseball savant page thinking, okay, is he running into bad luck? But he's only in the, like, 13 percentile for walk percentage, 50% for hard hit percentage. Um, you know, I'm just trying to look for the signs here, and he still has an OPS below 700. I mean, you, you got to think in that Padres lineup with Bogarts, um, Soto, and Tatis, he's he has the protection to hit well and still see some good pitches, um, but it just hasn't happened yet. But one positive thing with Jerwin's team for sure is uh, Felix Bautista. 219 points out of a reliever on June 20th is very, very good. And, uh, man, he really piles up those strikeouts. So I think that's a really good asset for Jerwin's team. Yeah, having a having a solid bullpen piece is really important too, being able to rely on him to – to get good saves and not get blown saves is really important. And continuing on here, we are now at uh, Brendan's team. What do you, uh, where do you rank Brendan? Just a little bit better than Jerwin. I think I had him at 10 and this is another one of those ones where I feel like I could be in for a lot of disappointment with my prediction because on paper, this team looks really good. Um, having, I, I'm pretty sure the best catcher, uh, in terms of fantasy points right now with, with Rutschman, uh, Christian Walker, he's, I believe number two, um, also an Arizona guy. So extra bonus points there. Uh, you know, Nolan Arenado always having a great year. Trey Turner, Yoshida for Boston. Um, you know, some, some really solid guys out there, uh, Rendon on the bench, Blackman, like, you know, having, uh, you know, Jordan Alvarez and Jazz Chisholm on the IR certainly doesn't help. Uh, so that kind of was factored into my standings right now as well. Um, but I think really why I kind of 
had him a lot lower on the list was the pitching. Uh, you got Merrill Kelly, great pitcher, uh, like top 10, I'd say. Um, beyond that, though, there's nobody on there that really jumps out as like, this is my well-rounded pitching staff that will give me, you know, consistently at least 15 points per start. Um, other than Merrill Kelly, nobody jumped off to me like that. And so that is why I had to put Brennan that low. Yeah, you're talking about that that guy that that Brendan can rely on, and uh, just to give you some context, he um, he was expecting that guy to be Carlos Rodon, who's um, he kept him from from last year, but um, due to the injury, and I'm actually I'm actually not even sure when he's supposed to be back now. Um, I just know it's it's been a while. Obviously, he hasn't pitched it all this year, but um, yeah, Brendan was relying on the Rodon to be that big piece for him in the pitching staff. Um, but yeah, I wanted to. You talked about about Adley Rushman and um, his his first full season in the league really couldn't be be off to a better start. Um, he's doing it all. He's hitting for power. He's putting the ball in different spots. The plate discipline's been fantastic. Um, and at a at a position that's as dead as as catcher, um, he's he's been incredibly valuable to Brendan. Yeah, I mean, hopefully some people in this league have some Adley Rutschman rookie cards because he uh he's looking really good and uh, definitely worthy of the um being the AL starting catcher um next month. So I agree with that as well, Jordan. And then Ross, I know you said that the pitching you felt was the weakest for um Brennan's team. I agree that the hitting is typically be- um overall I'd say better than his pitching. And I think um some of his players like Nolan Arenado are starting to heat up. Um, Arenado had an OPS of 600 in April, but a 902 OPS in uh, May, and he's hitting, um, he's batting 318 in June so far. So um, I really think that one key for him is um, Arenado has to keep hitting like this. Yeah, and um, Ruiz um, in center field for him right now. Um, you know, you wouldn't expect an Oakland A to be to be a big piece in the fantasy lineup, but. Being able to count steals um, has really paid off big dividends for Brendan as well. Oh, yeah. He's crazy fast. Crazy fast. So that's definitely valuable in this league. All right. Uh, moving on to Justin's team. What did you think about? What do you think about Justin? That is a top three lineup right there, specifically number three. Uh, this is a really well-balanced team. Uh, I mean, you have... Uh, Jose Ramirez at third for Cleveland, who's just seems to always be having a great year. And uh, this year is no, no different. Uh, Xander Bogarts, Alex Verdongo, uh, Adolis Garcia, Kyle Tucker, like a lot of really good names who are having really good years there. Um, specifically that outfield. Uh, I looked up that outfield and I believe they are all within the top 15 um in terms of fantasy points for their position um the bench there uh also no big names really jumping out but anybody can have a good week get hot and they're worth a starting spot if if they're hot um chris bryant being on the ir not helpful um but still really good batting there um pitching a little bit of a step down i would say um but Kevin Gaussman's having a terrific year. Uh, and then you Darvish, Charlie Morton, they, they can put up points. Joe Ryan's having a pretty solid year as well. And so, yeah, there's a 
not uh, a lot of holes on this roster. And so that is what makes him worthy of my third place in the rankings. It's it's funny you say that. Um, you think that his pitching has stepped down. I think that his pitching staff is actually better than his hitting, in my opinion. Having a, a top three of uh, Darvish, Kevin Gossman, and Joe Ryan is, is really going to make uh, Justin a tough out in the playoffs. Having um, a bunch of set-and-forget-it set guys is really going to be important for him come playoff time. That's a good point, Jordan. I think um, you can uh, make note that Senga um, from the Mets is probably his number four at the moment. Um, I'm trying to look at his bench. Yeah, I, I say with Freed Hurt, um, Senga's definitely going to be in his starting five most weeks. And when he's on, he's on. And when he's off, he's off. He, I have him in my other fantasy league. And he seems to be all over the place. He'll go six innings three hits, one earned run one week with like eight strikeouts, but then the next week he'll get four earned runs. But, um, you know, still a 3.53 ERA on the season. So I think he's definitely worth taking a chance on. And hopefully the Mets are still in contention for him throughout the year and uh, he stays healthy. But I agree the pitching staff is pretty solid. All right, now on to Jake's team. Where did you have Jake ranked? Just a little bit better than Justin. I had him at number two. Uh, once again, I, I'm looking for a really well-balanced team, uh, and this is one of them. I mean, uh, he has Gary Sanchez, Vlad Guerrero, Altuve, Bregman, um, Mookie Betts, Soler, like a lot of really good players uh, on that hit, that hitting side of the roster. Uh, on the pitching side, I mean – uh, Nathan Avaldi's having a terrific year, and Framber Valdez for Houston's having a great year as well. Josh Hader, always one of those relief pitchers that you'd much rather have him on your team than somebody else. Uh, always seems to be consistent, always will get you positive points most nights. Uh, the one thing that could be a real X factor going forward in the late year slash playoff time is Corbin Burns. Um, this is a guy who I had on my I have on my team as well. Um, not nearly as consistent and solid as last year. Uh, he could give you 25 points one night. He could give you minus 17 the next. Um, so definitely an X factor there. Just, um, yeah, overall, really good team, especially the hitting side of things. It's just every position uh, just is solid. Yeah, Nathan uh, Evaldi, like you mentioned, has been a real X factor for Jake this year. Um, he's he's really just totally turned it around. He's using his cutter more. He's reducing reduced his curveball, and um, the result of that is basically a whole lot of red on his Savant page in every major statistic. There's he's just been um, excellent for the Rangers so far this year. I think one thing for me with Jake's team that really stands out is. Mookie Betts, um, I mean, we know how good he is at baseball, obviously. I think he he's bowled close to 300 in, in bowling, and, and he's five foot nine and can dunk a basketball. So if he couldn't do that already, like all that already, he, learned, he showed us that he can still play second base and shortstop at the major league level this year. And the fact that he has second base, shortstop, and right field eligibility in our league is incredibly valuable. You know, Jake could plug him in if uh, – you know, Altuve gets hurt at second base again, or um, he doesn't feel like starting Matt McLean at shortstop. And uh, he can put in Jorge Soler in right field in his spot. 
because um, Solaire right now is in uh, Jake's lineup in the, the utility spot. So just having that flexibility moving forward is really valuable. And uh, yeah, Mookie Betts is obviously a, a big part of his team. Next up, we have Scott. Scott's team is the best team. I I will I would bet money that he is he has to be one of the top three best teams in the standings. He's number one on my list. Um, just looking through his roster, like Jonathan Indiana at second, he's a top five second base right now. You have the combination of the two shortstops um, with Bobby Witt Jr. and Bo Bichette, Bobby Witt being in the third base spot right now. Those guys are top five in their positions as well. Um, Randy Rosarina, like great hitter as well. Julio Rodriguez, like young, really talented, great hitter. He's got power, speed, contact, all of it. Juan Soto, top five ish outfielder. And then I mean, the one and only Shohei Otani, having that flexibility of being able to put them in a utility spot or a starting pitcher spot. You know, if he's, if his bat's hot, you want to put him there. If his gloves hot, put him in the pitching spot. Like there's so much value to having that flexibility. Uh, and then having uh, Lords Gurriel, another Diamondback. Sorry if anybody's sick of it, but they're having a great year and he's part of the reason why they are. Um, and then just looking over onto his pitching side, um, there's no big name that jumps out. There's not like a McClanahan over there, but each one of these guys is having a really solid year. Um, Logan Webb and Tyler Wells having great years. Um, and just, yeah, I mean, overall, just the, the team's really well balanced. Um, and I mean, Dustin May, you got a young guy there, but interest in McKenzie as well. They're both on the IR, but both young guys and in a keeper league, you want some youth that can maybe help you win one year. And if not that year, they can help you with the next. Yeah, um, his offense is um, absolutely outstanding. I mean, there's not really a hole anywhere, um, especially if you look at, at shortstop with, with Bo Bichette. Um, his strikeout percentage has been excellent this year. He was in the 42nd percentile last year and has jumped up to the 80th. And I really think that's due to his plate approach. If you look at his spray chart from last year to this year, you see almost nothing in the um, in the left side of the field between left and third compared to last year. I'm not sure if he was if he was shifted a lot last year or what it was, but he's really attacking the first base side of the field and it's really paying off for him well. I, that's that's well said. Um, Ross, just for full disclosure, um, there was a trade that we'll get into later um, where he did just acquire Shohei Otani. So he hasn't had him the entire season. But, you know, to get someone like Otani, he did give up Wander Franco, who, you know, is also pretty freaking good. So uh, I see where you're coming from, uh, just looking at his resume blindly and his, his roster as a whole that, uh, you know, especially his lineup, I think is just uh, pretty, pretty good. And, uh, you know, some Baltimore pitching that he has Wells and Cano. Um, he doesn't even have Cano in his starting lineup this week, but they have both been very impressive for the uh, the Orioles. And just uh, I wish I wish my Pirates were playing as well as the Orioles are right now. At least for 2024, I, I want the not to go too too far down a uh, 
down a rabbit hole, but I want the Pirates to be the 2022 Orioles, and it's just not happening right now. So, but yeah, God loves uh, Scott's team. Moving on, uh, what did you think of my team, Ross? Uh, Jordan, buddy, I'm I'm sorry. I nothing against you. I, I hate to do this to you, but right now you're in you're in last on my rankings. Uh, I I know you have uh, a big heart for Glaber Torres, but uh, he's he's not getting it done. But uh, you know the the two bright spots that you do have uh, with Devers and Diaz. Those guys are playing extremely well, and I mean, I I could be very wrong. Uh, you, you could put together some good weeks. Some fantasy is seventy percent skill, thirty percent luck. I would say, and uh, I don't know if it's off. that much skill. It's a little bit more luck, but yeah. But uh, I mean, the the pitching staff, like once again, no no big names really jumping out. Um, Alec Manoa, like that, I almost drafted him in my league. Um, and he has just had a truly awful, awful year. Um, Robbie Ray getting hurt really doesn't help you much at all. Um, you know, these there's some guys on your pitching staff that they should be better than they are, um, but they're just not having great years. Bats are not fantastic, um, but I, I do see that there's there's a lot of youth on your team. And so I could see uh, you definitely being a threat in future years, if you aren't already one right now. Um, I mean, I'm a big Geraldo Perdomo fan uh, and then seeing Spencer Torkelson on there as well. And then, you know, your guy, Jordan Walker uh, as well. So lots of, lots to look forward to in the future if, if this just isn't gonna be your year. Um, yeah, I was hoping that you would, uh, talk about Perdomo. I added him this week specifically for you. Um, uh, I appreciate that, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, don't want to talk about my team too much. I don't want to be a Jeroen. So, <laughs> um, Jordan, I didn't realize this with your team until like looking, uh, like into this one specific player more, but Lamont Wade Jr. 47 walks compared to just 49 strikeouts. That's a really good ratio, and that definitely plays in in this league. And the fact that I know I've with a couple other guys I've talked about, like where else they're eligible, but first base, left field, and right, it's really nice. You can move him around your lineup going forward uh, in a bunch of different spots. And you know, Yanni Diaz, you can play him at first and third base. Um, Devers is obviously still your best hitter, and um, I don't know. I think there are some bright spots for sure moving forward with your team. And Castellanos is having a really nice year for you as well. So. Um, I think with, when it comes to your pitching, uh, Sonny Gray definitely needs to keep it up for sure, like he has in the first half. And um, we'll see what Justin Steele can do move, moving forward as well. But I think uh, Gray and, and Justin Steele are your two bright spots on the pitching side. All right. Uh, a couple more. We have Sam's team. Where do you have Sam at? So Sam is right in the middle. I have him at number six. And so for that team, uh, it's, you know, relatively balanced, but uh, just doesn't really pack as much of a punch as the other teams do. Uh, you know, JT Romito, uh, catchers are, finding a good catcher can be hard to come by, and JT's always been a relatively reliable one. Um, I am a, uh, a big Paul Goldschmidt fan for probably reasons everybody can understand, but 
even after his success last year, he's still finding a way to, to hit extremely well and be a threat. You know, Max Muncy, Matt Chapman, uh, all, you know, solid guys as well. You got, you know, Andrew McCutcheon in the starting lineup. Um, you know, the guy can still play, clearly. You know, just getting his, uh, his hit the other day. Um, but then, uh, you know, he's, he just doesn't have what he once did. Um, Brian Reynolds started out really hot, still a re- really good, consistent player. Um, but uh, it's definitely seemed to cool off a little bit. The pitching side um, seems a little bit more promising with, um, you know, Zach Allen, uh, Luis Castillo. Uh, Blake Snell's been kind of a disappointment for the last few years. Um, got a really good uh, relief pitcher with Carlos Estevez and Camilo, Camilo Duval, um, and even Bednar can have a have a few good pitches as well so uh overall just solid team but uh not not enough to uh be at the top of the list so right in the middle he goes yeah i think that uh injuries have have really hurt him i mean he had drew rasmussen who's now in an ir spot who was absolutely dominant for him who was a, a staple in his starting pitching and he traded up for uh nestor cortez who has since been injured as well. So he has a couple um couple guys in his starting pitching roles that he wouldn't normally have in there. And I think that, that that could be um causing some difficulties for him in the future. But I really do like some of his bullpen pieces. I think that I think the Pirates sliding has really hurt um Stamps team the most out of any of our teams having having three pirates and um you know at the beginning of the year where the pirates were doing really well. Bednar was getting a ton of save opportunities and those have uh decreased a lot. And, but yeah. Yeah, I was kind of going to touch on that as well, Jordan. Um, Brian Reynolds is in, in the lineup today um, as we're recording this on the 20th with a just day to day with a lower back injury. And he's in left field for Sam's team this week. So we'll see if um, he really is day to day or if he does require an IL stint um, later this week. But in the meantime, he if if it, he does hit the IL, he can always. Uh, plug in Jared Kalnick or move Marte from his uh, utility spot around with like Kutch and Buxton in his outfield. So he does have some flexibility, but obviously Sam doesn't want Reynolds to hit the IL. Yeah. Last but not least, we have uh, Mike. What did you think of Mike's team? So I have Mike sitting at eight and I, this is another one of those ones where I could be, really really off um one of the big things that jumps out for me is dalton varsho uh might not get all of the attention uh that he deserves but he's been having a really good year um it's also really helpful to have him be flexible in your catcher spot or in any of the outfield spots uh ty france not as good as he was last year but still having a solid year um franco is having a spectacular year as well. And Acuna, who is currently the odds favorite for the NL MVP, um, is doing just fantastic. Um, J.D. Martinez in the utility spot is good. The guy's still got some power. Um, And then certainly probably hasn't been in the lineup uh, from day one, but Ellie De La Cruz, uh, he's shown that he can get it done on on the big stage. 
uh, so far in just the last few weeks that he's been in the league. So I could definitely see Mike's team starting to move in a positive direction in the uh, later half of the season. Um, having O'Neill Cruz get hurt early in the year, uh, that definitely hurts as well. Uh, that's an injury I was suffering from for my, for my team as well. Um, he had a great start and unfortunately uh, got injured. Uh, Cabrian Hayes, another guy who hasn't really been reaching his fullest potential, um, but that can always turn around in any month. The pitching side um, is relatively solid, I'd say. Um, Shane Bieber has been a little inconsistent through some weeks, um, but once again, he could he could put up a, a great week for you, and that could be the difference. Clayton Kershaw, somehow, somewhere, guy's still pitching extremely well. Um, and then you got a, a great relief pitcher in uh, Raziel Iglesias. So overall, the uh, team's, team's solid, and I, I definitely could see myself being off on this one. Um, but just seems like with some of the injuries and – kind of getting Ellie De La Cruz a little bit later in the season. I, I could see Mike just being down a few spots. So that's why I have him at eight. Yeah. Um, I think I, looking at, at his pitching staff, there's um, I've, I've shared my opinions on, on Jose Barrios before. Um, Shane Bieber has been up and down, which um, we also didn't, didn't share, but we'll have a trade involving him. Um, Hunter Green, I think just landed on, um, the injured list was that is that right, Nick? Yeah, that's correct. He hit the IL yesterday. Um, so he's definitely going to be hurting um, in pitching this week. Um, but yeah, I mean, Clayton Kershaw and Bobby Miller, two two Dodgers pitchers. Um, Bobby Miller has been fantastic uh, so far. No, uh, no reason for Mike to complain about that, especially with that relief pitcher eligibility as well. Yeah, I guess for Mike's team, the the one guy that really jumps out to me is just the year Acuna's having. I mean, my goodness. Um, Ross, for full context, he has over 50 points more than the next closest guy in our fantasy league. Acuna right now, as of the 20th, has 327.4 points. Next on the list is Otani with 275.8. So that just shows how good of a year Acuna's having, especially in this format. So definitely, uh, definitely the MVP for Mike. All right. Well, that is uh, that wraps us up to um, to summarize Ross's thoughts. I am in twelfth. Jerwin is in eleventh. Brendan tenth. Uh, Sam, no, Nick. Sorry, league villain Nick is in ninth. Mike is in eighth. Eddie is in seventh. Sam sixth. Nick Lee fifth. Nate fourth. Justin third. Jake two, and Scott first. Ross, how do you think that you did? Uh, you know what? I could be wrong, but you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take. So I think I went a perfect 12 for 12. You, as of, uh, so I, I made this list, uh, on Monday. So I don't know if, if tiebreakers or anything have changed this, but you got three, correct? Oh no. You got Justin in third place, Jerwin in 11th place and myself in 12th place, which, uh, I mean, for having to uh, make an order is pretty good. There is one team that I have written down that you were what I considered far off on. Do you have any guesses as to what team that was? Uh, it's got to be Scott or Jake. 
No, it is Mike's team. Mike, you had what an eighth? I had him at eighth, yeah. An eight. He is in fourth place right now. Okay. All right. Yeah. So. I mean, like I like I prefaced, that that was a team where I could kind of see it going a few different directions. I think that it's hard, um hard to judge Mike's team because Mike um likes to trade a lot. So the current team that he has is not as reflective as it is for some other people who who trade a little bit less. And um you you graded him closely. I want to talk, give you some context for Brendan's team. Brendan started off just really, really in a rough spot, um, made a couple really good trades that have panned out for him well. Um, so he was at the bottom for a while, but he's, in my opinion, been doing a good job managing in season, um, which has propelled him. Well, I guess um, he's in eighth right now, but he's done a good job kind of climbing out of the hole that he, he caused. So. So yeah, thank you for hopping on, for yeah. that, Ross. Um, hope hey, hope mean, that the listeners enjoyed that as well. Yeah, Ross. Oh, had a, yeah, Nick, go ahead. I'll just add that I think last year I I went one for twelve, I believe, and uh, three of twelves is it's tough to get everyone exactly right. So I thought you did a great job, and you were obviously close on a lot of people. So uh, you were only really off on one, like f- far off on one team. So you did you did a good, you did a good job in my opinion. Yeah, hey, if if I uh, if I go three for twelve and I'm batting two fifty, that I'm, I'm an average shortstop hitting. All right, so no, right, you're no starting in this that. league. <laughs> yep, I'll take that any time of the any time of the week. All right, well now that um now that Ross has some context to our league, we can get into our um into our last week recap. Apologies for doing some things out of order today, Nick. You want to start us off on our last week recap? Yes, I can definitely take that, Jordan. Um, crazy, we're 11 weeks into the season already. Um, last week, Team C. Deemer defeated the Walk Institute of Research by six points. Eating as and taking names defeats JC and company by 21 points. Jake's fantasy baseball team defeated the Beaver Valley All-Stars by 22 points. Look at my Tatis had the high score of last week, defeating No Money Mike. Team Eminon defeated the Flying Rutschman in a route. And in our final matchup, weak pullout hitter defeats the Mighty Vibes with Jerowin having the lowest point total last week. Our median for week uh, for the 11th week of the year was 251. And as we go through the standings, um, in the West, we got Team Eminon, 15-7. and seven. Team C. Deemer, three games back at 12-10. and 10. And third in the West, we got the Flying Rutschman at 9-13. and 13. Tied for fourth um, week pullout hitter in the Mighty Vibes, both at 8 and 14, and the Walk Institute of Research at 5 and 17. And then we'll move into the East, which is still definitely the better uh, conference or division of the two. Jake's fantasy baseball team now 18 and 4. JC and company is in second at 14 and 8. No Money Mike sitting in third place, 13 and 9. Eating Ass and Taking Names is also 13 and 9. Beaver Valley All Stars are now nine and thirteen, and rounding out the East, looking at my Tatis, eight and fourteen. All right, um, takeaways. What did you? Uh, what do you think of this this past week, Nick? Man, I mean, there's definitely a lot we can dissect here, but um, the one thing that's really jumping out to me is um, Jake's team, eighteen and four now. Um, pretty red hot, if you ask me. Um, and I think he could be getting even better as the season moves along and we get into, you know, the all-star break, the dog days of summer. Um, Andrew Abbott from the Reds for his team has pitched 17.2 innings 
of scoreless baseball in his three starts. And he has reliever eligibility. I think that's really valuable for Jake moving forward. He can just, you know, if he keeps pitching like this, plugging him in as one of his relievers while still getting, uh, you know, maybe a couple guys getting two starts a week from five for five starters. I think that's really impressive. Um, Jose Altuve at second base for him. He's only had 22 games of Jose Altuve and he's 18 and four. Um, and I think Vlad Jr. I mean, he has an OPS of under 800 right now. 2021 wasn't too long ago. He had an OPS, I believe over a thousand or at least close to it. I mean, he would have been the NL MVP that season if he wasn't in the same uh, league as Otani. I mean, you got to think at some point he, Vladdy starts to get a little hotter. I mean, the the Rogers Center in Toronto for him, they even moved in the walls a little bit with that renovated outfield. And he only has nine home runs to this point. I really do think Vladdy is going to have to uh, get a little hotter at some point soon. And, you know, that will obviously only help Jake's team moving forward. So I think he's definitely a, a team to watch, obviously, with the best record in the league at the moment. And uh, I would be very nervous to face him come playoff time. Yeah, and especially with how uh, how tough that Blue Jays lineup is, you'd think that um, Vlad will eventually just do the sheer amount of opportunities that he'll have with that good offense. Will he'll start really getting going? Right. My takeaway. What's okay, go, go ahead. Um, my takeaway is with Eddie going two and zero, the deadline might actually be significant this year. Currently, one game separates the seven seed and the eleven seed. There's so much time and opportunity for any of those teams to make a run. I don't think we'll see another team really throw in the towel until late July now. But what are you, what are your thoughts on that, Nick? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a great observation. Um Eddie going two and last week's definitely big for him on um, moving forward. And you know, if you're looking at the standings, like you said, why teams sitting nine and thirteen or eight and fourteen, you know, it's it's really anyone's race with you know eight teams making this uh, the playoffs out of twelve here. So I don't know. It's a there's a reason why I guess there hasn't been as I know, I can't speak to prior years, but just listen to the prior podcast. I think it's what's less than twenty trades so far at this point. I think it's just because a lot of teams feel like they're still in it. What What do you think about that, Jordan? Yeah, I mean I think that every team is still in it, except for myself. Uh, so so yeah, it's been a it's been exciting to watch, and I'm excited to see. Uh, see the end of it um we had we had two trades uh this week which both kind of piggyback off of each other no money mike trades shohei otani francisco lindor and seth lugo to team Amanon for wando franco shane bieber and raziel iglesias um and i'm just going to read them both at the same time since they kind of piggyback off of each other um team Amanon then traded seth lugo and francisco lindor to eat an ass and taking names Jackson Trio and Michael Waka. Uh, Nick, what do you, what do you think? I guess I'll um, touch on the first trade first. Um, definitely, definitely a fan of Wander Franco, but I think at the same time, Team Eminon wins this trade. Um, for Mike sitting at thirteen and nine, it was an equal swap, like player wise, three players for three players. I don't know. In, in this format, like I mentioned earlier, Otani has the second most points um, behind just Acuna to start this season. I, I just can't justify trading Otani, especially at this point in the moment. He has an OPS higher than his 2021 MVP season. And even if you want to use him as a pitcher uh, instead of, you know, utility guy or anything like that, he still has 100 strikeouts on the year. I just I just feel Otani is obviously valuable both in real life and fantasy. So 
while Wander Franco is definitely the bigger, the biggest name he got back in the trade, I just, I don't think he needed to trade Otani in, in this deal. What about you? I um I had a tough time judging this one. I think that that both uh, teams got um, kind of what they needed. I think that Mike in general had more immediate needs than Scott did. So I don't hate the idea of him sacrificing the better player to get three um, good players. Um, obviously, Scott is is great getting getting one of the best players in the league in Otani. Um, but I think that the big thing about this trade, and we touched on it earlier, is just how how much depth Scott's offense has. I mean, he didn't even b- miss a beat. Just sliding Bobachet in at shortstop. Otani is being used um, at a, at utility now, which actually was surprising to me. Um, given given kind of like the the unprovenness, for lack of a better word, of some of his starting pitchers, I would have expected Scott to use um, to use Otani in this, a starting pitching spot. But man, his his offense is absolutely fantastic now. There's not a single hole in that lineup. Yeah, definitely loaded, no doubt. I mean, he, Ross knows that as well, just going through the rosters blindly. I mean, top to bottom, there's there's really no missing pieces, like you said. Um, I'll lead off for this um for the second one. Uh I think that I would take um I would take Nate's side in this deal if I had to choose one. He's getting the more established player in a, in what I consider a win now trade. Um Michael Walker has been really, really good this year, which um I mean, I drafted him very late, so Scott, um, I think, could be loading up on a couple um, perceived good keepers um, for a big splash later on down the line. Yeah, I thought about this one as well, and I I think I overall agree with you that Nate won this trade. Um, I believe it was just like a week ago, I was also offered Waka and a trade offer, but I did turn it down because I think he is due for some regression. While he has a 2.9 ERA on the season, his FIP is close to four. So I just don't know if that's sustainable. I mean, he has been in the big leagues for a decade now, but typically he's not this good. So I was a little hesitant to make the trade at the time. Um, I I just think Nate got the better end of the trade, like you said, with the established Francisco Lindor um, plugging him at shortstop for this week in his lineup. Yeah, um... Yeah, Walker is interesting. I he I had him him last year for a little bit, and he just he seemed like a lot, some of the time he was really good, and some of the time he was really bad, just not really consistent at all. But he seems to have really kind of turned that around uh, this year. But like you said, I wonder if he'll be able to keep it up. But um, anyways, enough about last week. Let's get into this week with our matchup preview. Nick, what did you have as the best matchup? Oh, I mean, there you can make an argument for any of these uh, matchups to be really solid. I didn't. I guess it's not necessarily the best matchup, but I think it's the most critical moving forward. Um, the flying Rutschman at nine thirteen versus looking like Tatis eight and fourteen. I mean, like we talked about, a lot of teams in that range of either nine wins or eight wins. It's almost now or never time heading into the trade deadline because you know we get we get two two uh, two wins or losses in the standings each week in our format. Um, after Monday's game, they're only five points apart, so it's already pretty tight. Um, I think Eddie needs to go 2-0 this week to have a chance in the competitive East. Um, and Brendan needs a win this week as well because um, he has Sam and Jero and right on his heels in the West. So really, I think you can make an argument both, even if even if it's a one-in-one week, uh, matchup, both could use a, at least one win at this point. So I, I really think that's a critical one in the standings. What about you? 
I had uh, I had your matchup, Nick. I had Jake versus Nick in this one. Um, you know, you talked about it earlier. Jake's cruising right now um, with not only the best record, um, but he's guaranteed to have the best record next week as he has a three-game lead over the second place, Scott. I think that Nick win um, win for you here would be huge in your attempt to catch Scott for first place in our division. Um, and a win for you would also be huge for Scott in his attempt in his attempt to catch Jake. So um, I wonder who who Scott is rooting for in this one. Things to watch for. Um, I'll lead off on this one because I'm going to reference what you had for the best matchup. Um, big matchup between the eight seed and the ten seed. Uh, these are the kind of matchups that separate the men from the boys. Those head-to-head wins are so important when you're battling someone directly for their spot. I'm excited to see where this matchup leads and the head-to-head matchups for the wildcard teams going forward. Yeah, I mean, we pretty much, I pretty much just use that matchup in another segment. I no argument for me with that. Wins are so critical in that area right now. Um, I guess the thing I'm looking at this week is Team Eminon versus No Money Mike. Um, both those teams seem destined for the playoffs. Um, I'm interested to see how Team Eminon will do after he made both trades in the last week uh, since the last episode. Um, and then when it comes to No Money Mike's team, just looking at his roster right now, he has Wander Franco, O'Neill Cruz, Ellie De La Cruz, Tommy Edmond, Anthony Volpe, and Bryson Stott, all with shortstop eligibility. Now, obviously, you know, there's utility, there's shortstop, and, you know, a lot of these other guys, do, and O'Neill Cruz is on the I.L., and a lot of these other guys do have other eligibility like Tommy Edmond, but makes me think like, will there be a future trade involving one of them on, on the horizon as well? It's something to keep an eye on. I think. I, I definitely could see that, especially with some of the keeper eligibility that some of the players that you listed have, I could see Mike trying to make a big splash later on. Like it. Um. All right, let's get into our matchups. Um, we have the Beaver Valley All-Stars versus the Walk Institute of Research. I will be picking the Beaver Valley All-Stars. Jordan, you gave me a tight matchup last week. I think you are due to uh, get on the board here some more with some wins, so I will pick you in this matchup. And I, I think I think you do go 2-0 here. But 2-0? Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can finish above the medium this, medium this week. I think... I mean, you have, let's see here, five, you still have over 5,000 points. It's not like you're that far ahead. You're actually ahead of one team in total points at the moment. So I, I think you I think you can get on the board this week. I was, I was close last week, but I, I thought I just missed the mark. But Fanchax has the Beaver Valley All-Stars winning this one. Uh, matchup number two, eating ass and taking names versus weak pullout hitter. I will be taking uh, eating ass and taking names in this one. I just think that... Um, I think that, that Sam's just at a point where he's kind of struggling a little bit with some health. I think that Nate's going to pull through here. I agree with that. I'm also going to go with that pick. Um, yeah, with Sam, Reynolds might not even play this week. Um, so I will agree with you in that category. Fanchax uh, is making this a 3-0 sweep here, picking uh, Nate's team as well. Uh, next JC and Company versus the Mighty Vibes. Uh, I am picking the the underdog here. I am picking the Mighty Vibes, Jerwin, uh, trying to get the positivity back on track. Okay, I will. I will go with JC and Company. I think. Um, I just think with Jose Ramirez, just the the better lineup. I think will win in this matchup. Yeah, um, Fantrax agrees with you there. They're taking JC and Company. 
Um, for Gage Fantasy Baseball Team versus you, Nick, Team C. Deemer, I will be taking the uh, the baseball team in this one. Yeah, I think Jake's team's pretty good. Um, he's already up on me pretty solid, so I'm going to go with him as well. And uh, Fantrax agrees with both of us on that one, taking Jake's Fantasy Baseball Team. Uh, look at my Tatis versus the Flying Rushman. Um, I'm picking the Flying Rushman here. Brendan's just um, really been doing well lately. Um, Eddie might have used all of his his star power getting that first place finished last week. So I'm taking uh, the Flying Rushman. Yeah, I'll also go with look at my Tatis. Um, he's got Corey Seager back. He hasn't had Corey Seager all year. Um, he's in his utility spot this week because he has Dansby at shortstop as well. I think the the way the Rangers are hitting lately, um, Seager's been a big part of that. I'll go with him as well. Uh, Fanchax predicts uh, the Flying Rushman to take this one. And our last matchup, um, No Money Mike versus Team Eminon. I will be taking... Team Eminon, I, I think that um, Scott's team is just too good at this point to pick against it. It's as, as simple as that. Yeah, this is uh, the most combined wins um, for any matchup this week. Um, I will agree with you as well. It's just uh, his his whole team is very, very solid, as Ross noted as well. All right, uh, that wraps up our uh, matchup preview. Nick, you want to kick us off on our news and notes? Uh, yes, I can. For um, players that return from injury uh, this week, we had Joey Votto making his 2023 debut on Monday. He homered in Great American Ballpark. Um, good to see the veteran make his return after having an IL stint um, and just being in the minors for a little bit on a rehab assignment. Um, the corresponding move for that was Hunter Green hitting the IL. The good news for Jerowin was Pete Alonzo returned to the lineup sooner than expected for the Mighty Vibes. I believe he was only out 11 days, um, which is very impressive, you know, for a 10-day IL stint. So he made a quicker return than expected. So very much needed for the Mets as well. Um, and then another player that made his return was Cody Bellinger, was back off the IL for Team C. Deemer. Um, I'm hoping uh, he gets uh, first base eligibility soon um, because he's been playing first base, I think, the last two or three days for the Cubs. Um, because they've been really happy with the outfield um, players they have now with Morrell, Half, and I believe Mike Talkman. So Bellinger could be seeing some more time at first base with Hosmer um, being DFA'd there. Uh, when it comes to call-ups, I'm sure most of you are aware now, Henry Davis made his major league debut on Monday in right field. Um, he had a double and a walk. And then when it comes to injury... Oh, go ahead, Jordan. Uh, Nick, how, um, how excited are you for Henry Davis to have arrived? Uh, you know, I I am excited for Henry Davis to be up here for sure, but wish he was catching. Uh, you know, we, we drafted him as a catcher, uh, and then he was in right field yesterday and DHing today. So I know that day will come, but hey, maybe Andy Rodriguez will be more of the long-term catcher for the Pirates, and we'll we'll see him soon. But uh, just yeah, excited I, to have that bat in the lineup. I saw some some um, some apologists um, talking about Henry Davis playing right field claiming that oh Henry Davis is still young so he doesn't really know how to how to catch in the major leagues um or doesn't have a good relationship with the pitchers yet but um and, and maybe you would know better than me Nick or or maybe you Ross but with with the pitch calm now the the pitchers can just call their own game if they want to so how how important is that that pitcher catcher relationship now that like the catcher doesn't have to be the one calling the shots 
I think uh, that is a good point. Pitchcom really has changed things since it was implemented in, I believe, 2021. I know that they want Hedges uh, to teach um, Davis and uh, and eventually Andy Rodriguez as well, because he's in, you know been a veteran catcher for a while for defensive purposes. That's his strength. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough because you know you want you want the pitchers to control things as well. So it's it's that fine balance. I mean, I only played baseball up until third grade, I believe. So I don't have the best answer for you. Um, what are your thoughts, Ross? Yeah, I, I really don't have a big strong opinion on this one, actually. Um, I, I think it it makes sense for the pitchers to kind of have the control. They're the ones that are releasing the ball. Um, but I, uh, I also don't want to see the catcher position ever devalued. Yeah, um, just was, was disappointing to see him in right. I know that he'll eventually make his way to catcher, but seeing um, Austin Hedges still behind the plate is uh, is difficult. Right, yeah, if he was hitting, if Hedges was hitting like 210, 220, it'd be more understanding, but I believe he's still in the 170s. That's, that's just not good enough to be a starting catcher, in my opinion. So I wouldn't have an issue if Davis was catching four or five days a week and Hedges was one or two games, but... I don't know, hopefully this uh this doesn't last too much longer. Yeah, I agree. Um, moving on with the injuries, um, Jordan Alvarez was an it's been announced that Jordan Alvarez is out until mid-July for Brendan's team. And unfortunately, another injury as well. Alex Cobb has a left oblique strain. So for Brendan's team, uh, he's really gone through a couple injuries since the last episode dropped. So I mean, obviously Jordan Alvarez is a big loss. Um, but any any thoughts on that, Jordan? With the I mean, two losses for him. I mean, losing Jordan Alvarez at at uh, a position that is is so bad, um, it, it's really irreplaceable. Um, hopefully, hopefully, Brendan's other guys are able to step up and and just keep him around that wild card spot. Um, I mean, now that you think about it, like mid July is not not super far off, but it's getting to that point where it's going to start being crunch time. For sure, you can make an argument that's eight wins or lost like you know that's four matchups at least with two two uh wins or losses on the line each week so that that can add up for sure um but yeah mid-july i guess you got the all-star break in there so hopefully it's not too long and hey we saw pete alonzo return to the lineup sooner than expected not sure it's the same injury but uh you never know um and i guess one more news and when it comes to news and notes is tristan mckenzie will be shut down from throwing for quote unquote several weeks for team Eminon. So that is a big loss. Tristan McKenzie, you know, a young arm starting pitcher for Cleveland. Definitely dynamic. Um, definitely worth stashing uh, on, the I, on the IR spot moving forward, IL spot. And then also, I guess one more news and note. Um, Max Muncy hit the IL last week for Sam, but it looks like he could be back by the weekend. So good news for Sam is doesn't seem to be out too long. And then he'll be back in the Dodgers lineup. Obviously, a home run threat gets on base a lot. Um, so that's good. Definitely uh, not something to sweat about too much for Sam. Yeah. So um, yeah, those injuries are, are going to be tough. I think that, I think Scott has a little bit more leeway with, with Tristan McKenzie, just because um, I mean, let's be real. He's finished the playoff spot already. Um, right. Whereas Sam kind of has his back up against the wall a little more. I think, I think Scott just has to hope that, that Tristan McKenzie is back to himself um, by August, which I think is very, very possible. Um, but yeah, 
Now to the uh, airing of grievances. Nick, Lee, the floor is yours. All right, so I've got a lot of problems with you people, and you're going to hear about it. Uh, not really personally. I'm just going to talk about the Pirates for a little bit because I'm assuming, Ross, I know you're not, you don't fall into this category, but a lot of people here are Pirates fans, and you know a lot of these players are on our fantasy team. So just wanted to say, like, it's just been disappointing and frustrating that you know, the Pirates started 20 and eight, and here we are on, on June 20th. You'd think they'd be not three games under 500 right now. And it's, it's just unfortunate. I get the super two thing with O'Neill Cruz last year, and then they waited this long with Henry Davis this year. And at, the, at the same time, I get it because he was injured and he did get less at bats than other previous number one overall picks. But, you know, with the way the way Hedges was hitting and we knew it wasn't this sustainable with how delay was hitting as well. It's just, it's just frustrating because, you know, one of Andy or Davis could have been up two, three weeks ago to help us maybe get like one or two more wins in that time, especially in the NL central with, uh, you know, the brew with the Cardinals having a down year like this, um, you know, they've been ahead of the pirates in the standings for so long. And now you got the reds of all teams just have like, uh, you know, Matt McClain's, Ellie De La Cruz, Spencer Steer, like these young guys just come out, not, I shouldn't say come out of nowhere, but just like make an impact right away. And, you know, the Reds are on a, what, eight, nine game win streak right now. It's just frustrating, like seeing the Pirates, like not capitalize on this window in this 20 and eight start. Um, I believe I mentioned this earlier, but I was hoping the Pirates would have a year similar to the 2022 Orioles where they're, you know, slightly above 500, surprising people being competitive in these games. And it just seems like we're not getting there yet. Like, yeah, the Pirates are still on pace to finish above last year's record. But, I mean, we went through the co like the selling in 2019. The COVID year was awful. And we knew 2021 would be bad. But you'd be hoped to have signs of improvement come 2022 and 2023. And I still think we're getting there. But it's just like when you start 20 and 8, you shouldn't be looking at an under 500 record less than two months later. Especially when you've had like the A's on the schedule this this month, the the Cubs twice, it's just frustrating for sure. So um, that's all I've really got to say about that. Uh, anyone else got any thoughts? I would uh, I would like to take the floor for just a quick minute. This is uh, in regards to you know the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, and I know that most people probably don't care too much about here and. Part of this is probably to blame on the actual citizens of Arizona, but the uh, update for the all-star voting came out today and Christian Walker, the first baseman for the Arizona Diamondbacks did not even make the top 10 who was sitting at number 10 though was Carlos Santana of the Pittsburgh Pirates, who this season has a batting average of 231, uh, 34 RBIs, uh, a war of 0.8. Uh, OPS 0.693 and Christian Walker who did not make the top 10 once again has a 272 average 49 RBIs a war of 1.9 and an OPS of 857 so if there's any people in Arizona uh, listening uh, it's time to start voting for uh, Christian Walker and anybody who doesn't live in Arizona he deserves your votes that's my grievance for the night I told Ross that he did not get a grievance because he is not in the league, but he uh, did anyways. So that will be my grievance. Um, thank <laughs> you guys for a great episode. Uh, those listening, hope you enjoyed it, and uh, see you next time.